My family and I recently moved here from Charleston, South Carolina. On a bright, sunny morning about a month ago, my husband, Jason, and I were sitting on a couch in the house that we rented there, talking through some ideas for this very sermon. And suddenly we heard an enormous crash of thunder reverberate through the house. And I screamed, oh my God! And Jason said, it's the tree. And sure enough, we rushed into the kitchen only to see a tree trunk staring back at us through the window. The old rotting oak tree in our backyard had fallen on our house, smashing the deck where our daughter loved to play. Perhaps you have had a tree fall on your house recently. <laughs> I hear that that's been happening around here as well. It is unsettling to say the least. We had just started packing our boxes to move here to Minneapolis so that I could begin a new position as your Minister of Membership and Adult Ministries. Moving here to take on this ministry has felt like a pilgrimage of sorts. A journey to an unknown place with the intention of moving into a deeper relationship with the holy. The pilgrim leaves comfort behind embarks on a journey, encounters the stranger, and greets the unknown with the hope of emerging with a clearer vision of what is true and good. This tree on my house seemed to be saying, it's time to hit the road. <laughs> you have been comfortable here in Charleston and this chapter has ended. Everything is changing now, so pack up and head north. Moving into a new religious community is not a new experience for me. Like many of us, it's something that I have been doing my entire life. Sometimes I've felt like a nomad, like a wanderer without a home. It's actually these nomadic experiences that have formed the bedrock of my call to ministry. They're the reason that I've traveled across the country to join you in your faith journey. For me, this feeling of being a spiritual nomad began at the very beginning. I grew up in an interreligious home. My father is Jewish, he was born in Israel, and he moved to the United States when he was 13. My mother grew up on a farm in Kansas, and she grew up attending a Methodist congregation. And I grew up with a religious identity of half-Jewish. I attended Sunday school at the local Reform Synagogue, my parents were not active in the congregation, so they dropped us off, they dropped me and a neighbor off at temple on Sunday mornings to engage with our Jewish heritage on our own. So we sang the Hebrew alphabet, we learned to defend ourselves against negative Jewish stereotypes, and we wrote letters to Jewish children in the Soviet Union. A few years passed and soon it became time for me to choose whether or not to pursue becoming a bat mitzvah. 
And my parents gave me the choice of whether or not to step into this rite of passage, and I chose not to pursue it. Feeling like I only half belonged within this cohesive community and its rich, abiding tradition, I chose to sleep in and watch cartoons on Sundays instead. I felt like a nomadic interloper in a deeply grounded tribe. But a yearning remained. To use Rilke's language from this morning, a gesture waved me on, answering my own wave. But what I felt was the wind in my face. I felt a yearning to move toward God, to move toward the heart of living. But I also felt the loneliness of being a traveler without a home. When I was about 12, I saw that other kids were having fun and talking about meaningful things in church youth groups. So I started attending a Methodist youth group with a buddy of mine, and they warmly welcomed me in. We went on field trips, we played games, we sang songs, and I felt like they really actively wanted me there. The only thing was the theological piece. <laughs> what I knew about Christianity, which was basically Jesus as a kind teacher, Santa Claus, and Easter egg hunts, it all seemed very positive. However, I had no frame for understanding what people even meant by phrases like, Jesus is my savior, trusting in Jesus, or Jesus died for your sins. Everyone was so nice, though, and they seemed to be people just like me. So these mysterious phrases probably had a very logical explanation. And I was so relieved when we finally had the opportunity to get real one evening in youth group. Sitting in a circle on the carpet, the youth group leader asked us to answer this question by secret ballot. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Everyone folded up their answers on little pieces of paper and threw them into the bucket. And I couldn't wait for it to be revealed that I was not alone in my lacking belief. <laughs> then the, the ice would get broken and I could share my confusion and get some clarity on what people were really talking about. And then the answers to the question, do you accept Jesus as your personal savior, came back. Yes, 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 yes. No, yes, yes. <laughs> and so that was my last day at youth group. <laughs> Still the spiritual nomad, I kept moving along. A gesture waved me on, answering my own wave. But what I felt was the wind in my face. What I longed to feel was a sense of belonging in a tribe on a religious journey. At the synagogue, I loved the religious ritual and language, but I did not feel like part of the tribe. At the Methodist youth group, I felt warmly welcomed into the fold, but I couldn't embrace the theology. And then, 
as I became a teenager, then I found the Unitarian Universalists. I had found my people. Coming from a conservative suburb of Kansas City, the Unitarian Universalist Church was an oasis of social, political, and religious liberalism. Among these open-minded, quirky, justice-loving people, I felt like I had found my tribe. Theologically, I could bring the different parts of my religious heritage, I could bring my doubts and questions. At our youth conferences and in worship, I felt brushes with the divine. But as the journey continued on, it became clear that something was missing. I didn't understand exactly where we were going together. This particular church setting felt like a community of nomads, wandering separately within the same container. We discussed ideas and politics. We sampled from a buffet of various religious traditions and rituals. And we were very clear about what we were not. But where were we moving together? What are we moving towards together? This question and this tension has shaped my call to ministry in my religious life over the past 20 years. What are we moving towards together? One fellow traveler offers this wisdom. Being a tourist means experiencing something new. Becoming a pilgrim means becoming something new. Pilgrimages go somewhere to a transformed life. Pilgrimages go somewhere to a transformed life. Unitarian Universalists, you kind, inclusive, curious, often hybrid people, yearning to grow your hearts and souls, but unwilling to sacrifice your authenticity, you are my people. Together with you, I am ready to shake off whatever it is that scares us into the safety zone of spiritual tourism and dive into pilgrimage together. Because pilgrimages go somewhere to a transformed life. And transforming lives is church worth doing. Unitarian Universalists are not alone in our nomadic wandering, our spiritual tourism. Lots of mainline congregations find themselves struggling to remain vital and transformative in the 21st century. Religious scholar Diana Butler Bass outlines five traits of postmodern American culture that foster a nomadic spirituality. Individualism, aimlessness, consumption, fragmentation, and forgetfulness. Individualism, aimlessness, consumption, fragmentation, and forgetfulness. Do these sound familiar? These forces disconnect and disempower our congregations 
and their presence in society is bringing people through our doors, hungry. I come to church because I need deliverance from individualism, aimlessness, consumption, fragmentation, and cultural amnesia. When I feel my heart is becoming greedy or atrophied, when I am lost and lonely, when my living appears meaningless and insignificant, I need a religious community of fellow pilgrims to remind me that we are all connected and we need each other in this wild, ever-changing existence. That we are loved and our living matters. That we are a precious part of a reality mysteriously held and propelled by a love that will not let us go. So as a religious people, as a church community, how does this happen? How do we move from nomads to pilgrims? From aimlessness to vocation? From consumers to practitioners? From fragmented individuals to gathered community? and from amnesia to memory. Diana Butler Bass does not respond with anything new, but instead with a triad of ancient practices, discernment, hospitality, and worship. These are the practices of a community that is not simply a container for spiritual nomadism, but a vessel for pilgrimage together. While pilgrimage is often framed as a solitary experience, church is a communal pilgrimage. Together, we walk towards what is most true and holy and loving, navigating unknown territory, offering each other kindness and shelter. Together, we are on a journey of more fully becoming love's people. Worship, hospitality, discernment. During just a few summer weeks with you, I have witnessed you in the midst of these pilgrimage church practices. Dynamic Sunday morning services, Habitat for Humanity, the racial justice work that is beginning, an engaging membership process, and I know that I have only just barely begun to scratch the surface of what is going on here. And there is one aspect of pilgrimage that particularly has my heart. And that is what's known as small groups. This approach to ministry is very much alive in this congregation and it played no small role in drawing me to this position. Which, by the way, is basically the most appealing ministerial portfolio that I could imagine. Small group ministry takes place in a group of no more than 10 people that is led by a member of the congregation who is trained in a particular mode of spiritual leadership. They meet every other week, usually here at church, and small groups follow a time-tested format that creates a sacred space and lends itself to authentic, thoughtful sharing and deep listening. Worship, hospitality, and discernment are in the very bones of its structure. 
Small groups are not group therapy or a debate club. Instead, participants are invited to explore life's joy, sorrow, and wonder together, often encountering a rich opportunity to connect with each other, open their hearts, and grow their souls. What a sturdy vessel for our pilgrimage together. Of course, small groups are not always amazingly transformative. Sometimes they're just fine. <laughs> Food for thought. And sometimes you find yourself wishing that you suddenly had another very important obligation every other Tuesday night. <laughs> and that is how I found myself feeling one January in seminary. At the time, I was the coordinator of the small group ministry at Meadville Lombard Theological School. And by that point, I had had four or five years' experience of witnessing the capacity of these groups to support people through major life transitions, through divorce, through miscarriage, through transition to a different gender identity, and through other profound changes. And I really trusted that with a grounded facilitator as the guide, these groups could hold a lot. However, if I'm being honest, I found myself wanting to run in the other direction when we reopened groups for new members to join, and someone who I'll call Joanne led the small, joined the small group that I led. For me, Joanne was the most difficult person to share a classroom with. She was abrasive, opinionated, loud, an angry person who somehow turned everything into a struggle. Our group had been trusting, honest, caring, and I was sure that Joanne was going to ruin it and stomp all over our precious bond with her constant pushback. But I had made a commitment to leadership, so I brushed up on my assertiveness and kicked off our first meeting. I kept waiting for Joanne to interrupt or reject someone else's contribution. But she followed the simple format, and instead of tearing others down, she began to peel back the layers of her own life. We're invited to share something that's going on in our lives, and Joanne tells us about her mother's struggles with debilitating, disorienting dementia and how painful it is to be her daughter long distance. Others share, and Joanne listens, because that's just what we do together. As we explore theological topics through telling stories, she shares of her daughter's dysfunctional relationship, her husband's unemployment, and her rage at having been kicked while she was down so many times in her life. And I wondered why she came across as frustrated and angry all the time. The simple small group format, which doesn't ask for any more vulnerability than you are ready to offer, has this amazing way of inviting us to disarm our hearts, to welcome the light in each human heart, to listen to where love is calling us next, and to go out and act boldly in the world. It is a sturdy vessel for our pilgrimage together.
It's so natural to want things to stay the same because we're comfortable. But growth involves change. As Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel reminds us, faith is not a clinging to the shrine, but the endless, tameless pilgrimage of hearts. So again from Rilke, so we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has an inner light even from a distance, and it changes us, even if we do not reach it, into something else, which hardly sensing it, we already are. We already are love's people, and together we are growing more and more into embodying that love. And I am so happy to be on this pilgrimage with you. Personally, I cannot imagine any place that I would rather give, receive, and grow as love's people than in this Unitarian Universalist church with stars of David all over the pews. <laughs> no matter what brings you here this morning, whether you've been coming here for 50 years or a couple Sundays, no matter what kind of tree has crashed into the roof of your life and urged you through this, these doors this morning, even if you've broken your vow a thousand times, you are welcomed here, warmly embraced on this pilgrimage together. Come, yet again, come. Amen and blessed be.